the idea of equity is that we are optimizing and looking to optimize everyone's ability and capacity to flourish, everyone's ability and capacity to thrive. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us, you the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Creating and applying focus on equity, diversity, inclusion, and justice in the workplace, as our guest Dr. Carrie Boland says, is an imperative, meaning it is more than just important. It is a necessity for us as a community to truly thrive. Dr. Carrie Bolin is the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at Pasadena City College, and she was also the co-moderator of the Future of Work conference that recently took place virtually at PCC. And if you missed it, you can catch up now with this episode where Dr. Bolin and I spend time distilling key takeaways from what was shared at this year's Future of Work conference. Hi, welcome back to the Future of Work. This is Christina Barsi filling in for Salvatrice Kumo, and I'm here today with Dr. Carrie Bolin, who helped facilitate this year's Future of Work conference, which just took place this month. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So can you just start by sharing with us um, your role at Pasadena City College as well as your role in, in the conference? Sure. I serve as the Associate Vice President, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer here at Pasadena City College. And much of my role is to be a thought leader in advancing equity, inclusion, and belonging initiatives. And I have the distinct privilege to work alongside economic workforce development in doing so. And when there was an opportunity to extend last year's conversation that centered diversity, equity, inclusion into this year's conversation around that, I jumped on it. And so this really was a labor of love for, for myself and Salvatrice, Leslie and team to kind of think through overarching theme um, as it relates to sort of, you know, going beyond the benchmarks and really drilling down to how we shape the future of work under this large sort of umbrella or guiding principle of diversity, equity, inclusion, and thinking through, you know, sort of those voices that we wanted to have at the table when we think about those industries that are really trying to do some culture shifting around um, DEI work. And so from that conversation bore the fruit that was part of uh, the conference, you know, this month, 
and, and I, I think it went really well. We certainly enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Thank you for giving us that sort of concise growth through the conversation because we did have this conference last year and the year before. This is the third one that Pasadena has presented. How would you say the conversation has evolved from, from where we started to where we are now? And, and what were the focuses from, from this month's conference? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, having not participated in it last year, um, my understanding is that we just kind of sort of introduced diversity, equity, inclusion as it relates to the workforce and it not being sort of, you know, pigeonholed within particular industries, right? In higher education or what have you, and going beyond, you know, thinking about DEI as just sort of a hot topic or something that's trending and it being something that should be intricately and intentionally woven into the experiences of our workforces across the board, um, regardless of whatever that industry is. And so I think that that was kind of sort of the building block for, for this year's conference in a way that was, you know, sort of building on conversations from, from last year and, 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 and maybe even the year prior to was, how do we now take how we're defining diversity, equity, inclusion, how we're valuing and, and shifting it now um, to be an imperative, not just important, but to be an imperative that without diversity, equity, and inclusion as a central focus of every industry's work that we, we, we don't achieve our goals, our collective goals, our shared goals. And so I think that we aim to accomplish that in our conversation with our panelists and in the presentation with our keynote speaker to talk about rethinking, reimagining, and reshaping the future of work. And in doing so in a way that in particular serves marginalized and vulnerable communities better than it, it, it has and what that looks like and what that intentionality looks like. So I, I think we just went deeper in, in our conversation in this past conference and, and, and provided some tangible pieces for, for folks to, to walk away with. You asked about sort of the trends. I appreciate the way that Dr. Pendiker sort of, you know, identified those three themes and talking about the hybrid piece and talking about the skill and extinction, which I wonder if folks like fell out their chairs um, when, when he shared that obsolescence of old skills. Um, I'm going to slow you down for just a second because that's really interesting. So for someone who didn't attend the conference, can you just share with us briefly what that means? The skill extinction? Yes. Yes, yes. So for someone that didn't attend the conference, great question. The, the obsolescence of, of old skills is essentially what the skill extinction um, kind of speaks to, this introduction of this sort of, or disruption, you know, in the way in which it was framed by way of his presentation of technology, if we're thinking of, you know, artificial intelligence, robots, and just sort of this sort of substitution of technology for the, the, the human or human resource part of the work. So thinking through the skill sets that we all, depending on sort of where we where we are in, in our professional journey or growth, entered into the labor force, those skill sets look vastly different, in part, you know, because of the pandemic, but not as a result, right? We were already in that, moving in that direction where folks were having to really sort of reinvent themselves and think really strategically about what skill sets do I need next year and then the year thereafter and then the year thereafter that year, right? Because things are moving so quickly and things and, and, and workforce um, is, is really evolving. So by skill extinction, 
taking inventory of those old skills and a way in which to reevaluate what upskilling looks like is essentially, you know, um, how we were sort of defining it and talking about it in our conversations. Fantastic. Thank you for distilling that down for us because there's something very pivotal about understanding that piece. So thank you for sharing that. And and I interrupted you. So do you want to share more about what you loved about Pendiker's presentation or anyone else that was a key takeaway for you in the experience? Oh gosh, how much time do we have? Um, (laughs) There was so much. And what's so challenging as a moderator, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to glean the sort of golden nuggets that are coming out of these conversations, but at the same time, sort of prepare for the next question. Right. I I relate to that. (laughs) I'm, I'm sure just a little bit. I think for me, one of the pieces that was so important to do and it resonates with me as a diversity practitioner is even defining what we mean by diversity and equity. And I, I appreciate that he sort of camped there when we think about sort of equity implications. We, we first need to know sort of, you know, how we're defining that. And he made a point to ensure that our audience, you know, was moving through the presentation, his presentation, and I imagine the rest of the panel discussion, um, knowing what that is and thinking about it from us all starting from, you know, differential starting places and um, needing, as a result, differential investments to ensure positive outcomes. And that being vastly different from equality, us giving everyone the same thing and assuming that we will all have the same outcome. And I think that's important for folks to know that the idea of equity is that we are optimizing and looking to optimize everyone's ability and capacity to flourish, everyone's ability and capacity to thrive. And I think if that's the mindset that folks would sort of, I don't know, sit with a bit, there wouldn't be so much maybe tug and pull around, well, the sort of, I don't know, um, we call them kind of the oppression Olympics, right? Where one one group has something, but the other one doesn't. Well, why is that? And we kind of look for ways to, you know, provide some compromise. But in that compromise is the inequity, right? Because we don't all start from that same starting place. So I appreciate that about the presentation. I appreciated, you know, all of our speakers kind of thinking through how we sort of leverage our, our organizations, our facilities, our policies, our processes, and so forth to affect greater inclusion. When we're thinking about just kind of, you know, the guiding principles of equity, inclusion, inclusion is one of those building blocks. And what does it mean for, in, in, you know, individuals to be included? And I appreciate that Dr. Pendiker talked about some of the uh, analysis that his company does. And I, I can't recall um, exactly I pay equity analysis or what have you, but essentially, you know, uh, measuring to fairness, you know, um, in decision making, measuring to voice in decision making and in what have you and finding different ways to measure. And I appreciate he had a slide that was like measure, measure and then measure some more and identifying different metrics outside of the norm that attribute to one sense of being and one sense of connection to the work and to the organization and essentially one's sense of wellness that I think for me certainly resonated. Thank you for that. It sounds really interesting to try to create data around these things about how we feel in the workplace and and what kind of outcomes those things actually, how to quantify that is definitely a challenge. So the fact that he was able to create some, some metrics for those things that, that we can see outcomes around when we make those types of changes for all of us and not just 
you know, a, a particular group or, or what have you is, yeah. is quite the feat. So it's true. And I think the other, pl- the other piece of it too, that I appreciate, and I think the panel more so spoke to this was talking about how do we apply then those sort of measures or outcomes? I think we talk, we can talk a lot about what do we want to measure, but right. then how do we apply that? Whatever, you know, sort of data comes out of that, whatever meaning making comes out of that, how do we sort of define those outcomes and how do our own biases impact you know, our assumptions, you know, as it relates to those outcomes. And so I think it's, it's so it's, it's interconnected, it's interrelated, it's complicated. And I think that's why there's no science to it. And that's why having a diverse perspective in, in practice and experience and and thought was really important. Our hope was, you know, that individuals from different, you know, industries or what have you walked away with something given the the various vantage points that we had as part of the panel as, you know, in addition to the keynote speaker, because there's, there's a, there's a lot to do. (laughs) There's a lot of sort of unlayering to do in this work that doesn't often get examined or interrogated because I think we've been sort of conditioned to do diversity, you know, in a particular way. And there's no particular way to do diversity. There's no particular way to operationalize it. There's no particular way to, you know, to really approach this work. There's multiple entry points and and multiple, you know, sort of promising practices that we just got a snapshot of, you know, in in this conversation that I hope, you know, gets the wheels turning and and, and maybe we'll engage another industry leader that attended our conference for next year. Um, and that by way of this conversation, maybe, you know, um, implemented something completely different and innovative that we can, um, you know, then take away from. I think that is such a, a great way to shine light on why the conversation piece is so important. The conversations is where things really get, it, they have to be talked about. And and like you said, they have to be talked about by by many lenses and many starting points and many perspectives and many industries. And it's an, it's an opportunity for inspiration and, and working together based on um, what we, what we come together over that we do know, like the data that mm-hmm. Pendacore presented and then finding ways to leverage that. And almost like a mastermind is what it sounds like to me, the way you're describing it, which yes. is wonderful to hear. Was there any tips or tools or aspects that came out of the panel that that stuck out to you? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I appreciated some of the pieces that uh, Dr. Pendaker shared. He talked about some kind of pieces that he uses that kind of draw folks in. It, it was a collaborative sort of whiteboard tool that he was talking about. And this was sort of in the context of it was, you know, this remote shift or hybrid approach to work, but still, you know, valuing that sort of relational piece that is a major um, cornerstone around equity, inclusion and belonging and using different sort of technology, technological tools to, to continue to foster that relationship building. Um, I know we talked about Donut as well being sort of this networking tool, and I don't know much about it, but I, I imagine that those are pieces for spaces that are still sort of in flux in regards to connection and community that that might be helpful. And I appreciated that he even, you know, shared about there being a lack of innovation as it relates to us not now sort of being in these consistent, 
community spaces with one another. While there's been a lot of flexibility and, and folks being able to kind of engage work life differently in these hybrid spaces for those that have the privilege and benefit to be able to do so, that's not everyone. That there's awful, also, you know, some challenges and some um, some disadvantages to that. And the innovation, when we're thinking about diversity of thought and, 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 and perspective and, and, and to what you just, you know, spoken to, kind of that inspirational piece is missing. I, I, I think that for as a diversity practitioner, I took away most, you know, the conversation around sort of the equity anchors. I, I have always used kind of equity champions or equity, equity liaisons. I love the sort of illustration of anchors. And while he didn't share it in that way, that's the way I walked away with it in regards to anchors being something that can't be easily moved. They're, I mean, purposefully, you know, set to do just that, be an anchor to the extent to where I mean, you can have multiple kind of parts and pieces and entities connected to it and there's no motion, you know, attached to it. And I think that that resonated with me because I think that oftentimes this work gets burdensome, this work, you know, he, you know, he spoke to as well as our panel to sort of this uh, burnout piece and, and, and the research around that and, and us as employers, you know, thinking through creative and, and, and um, innovative ways to meet our employees beyond just the expansion of benefits, right? Or what have you. And that kind of brings us back to the measuring piece being really important. Us kind of, you know, in that work, you know, finding ourselves kind of shifting, right? Or, or what's happening externally, you know, whether it's locally or nationally or globally, you know, shifting us to the extent to where we're not anchored in the work and the way in which creates sustainability and the way in which creates intention, intentionality and the way in which creates accountability. That's like a bad word, I feel like in some places. <laughs> Accountab account how, how do we hold folks accountable to serving as equity ambassadors, um, as change agents, you know, as, as collective individuals in this work towards greater equity? So I, I, for me, that I took that away and um, the most, and, and, and in doing so, want to think about ways in which I can encourage the equity champions I work alongside to ask more of those questions on what policy or system is, is producing this, this equity gap, you know, looking at the conditions, looking at our facilities, looking at our structures and our environments, and how they're serving as obstacles and hindrances for success for our staff, faculty, and students and community members is definitely, you know, something that stays on my on my radar screen. And, and as I illustrate it with the anchor piece, I, I think that makes it even more helpful. I like that illustration as well. It makes me wonder, how do we, how can, how can we be better at keeping all of this top of mind so that we stay connected to those anchors? Yeah. How, how can we do better? I mean, essentially, I mean, you, part of that answer was in, was in the question. Right. Keeping it top of mind. Again, not seeing it as, you know, as I shared before, not an add on, not just important, um, you know, or or value, but but valuable, but an imperative. I, I attended most recently a conversation where Dr. Smith was talking about how Dr. Daryl Smith, who's been doing organizational change work for for years um, around diversity in higher education in particular. But she talked about how we shift from the important to the imperative because the important it could take however long for folks folks might drag their feet if it's important if it's important then it just becomes symbolic if it's important then it's just a you know committee work if it's important in the in you know in the sort of 
I guess examples kind of go on, but if it's an imperative, that means everybody gets on board. If it's an imperative, then that means that it moves and it moves quickly, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the same way that we did with COVID, when COVID happened, I would say more schools or industries, more often than not, were not in a position to shift to, you know, to in the way in which we needed to in industries where we were sort of in the helping profession and we were seeing individuals in person having to shift out of that or what have you. Um, but we did and we made provisions to do so and we made provisions to do so in an in a, in a efficient and um, expeditious way. We need to do the same thing with equity and inclusion. It's an imperative. So it's not a matter of sort of discussing the value. It's not a matter of sort of kind of talking through the importance, right? It's it's an imperative. We shift. And as we're shifting, we begin to kind of talk through sort of that individual capacity building along with the institutional capacity building around equity, inclusion, and belonging. So I think it comes back to us being part of sort of that mission-driven imperative that every industry needs to grab a hold of. And that's how, you know, we continue to keep ourselves anchored and keep our eyes sort of on the prize. Yeah. And I like what you said about prior to this question, even about asking questions Mm -hmm. that asking of ourselves, you know, before we take action is, am I, am I doing this in an equitable way? Am I doing this next move, whether it be hiring or, you know, even choosing an employer or once you're in the workplace, little action pieces, like, are we being inclusive? Are we like, if we're always asking those questions, then it's top of mind, then it becomes part of the workflow. So it's something that can be that simple, Mm -hmm. where we just consider it part of the workflow, and then it becomes normalized. That's right. Uh, And, and that is something in in my business that I try to strive for. And I think that's a very simple way we can all start to just shift a little into including it in our day-to-day workflow. And that's what I think the panel is really suggesting is you're coming together, we're having the conversations, but it's, it's a place where innovation is coming together and you're creating tools and tips and ways to keep things in the top of mind workflow in all of the individuals and industries, right? Right, right. No, that's well said. And, and you said something that definitely resonated with me, Christina, the norming piece. How do we, how do we normalize this? How do we, how we build in, in, in as a cultural norm? And I think that that's the shifting piece that is challenging to do. We've all been socialized, right? And then we are all part of this sort of repetitive cycle of socialization around race, racism, and so forth. And so how do we, how do we interrupt that? And how do we do so on the individual level, on the organizational level, and then, you know, aspirationally on the societal level, what have you. It's one brick at a time. For me, the the combination is training and infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. So sort of creating those entry points into both of those areas um, becomes kind of a first priority. But you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, if Folks don't know what they don't know. And so I I think, you know, that sort of individual capacity building becomes the highest priority to your point. You know, how do we prioritizing our own our own work and doing so in a way in which sort of builds capacity for folks to ask the right questions? We might be asking a whole lot of wrong questions, right? (laughs) You know, because we have our, our perception and maybe it's narrowed or it's informed by, you know, X whatever that might be, that's a a misunderstanding of equity, as we shared before, that shared language and that shared understanding being being really important. So with that said, the training piece becomes incredibly important. I think the other piece, too, that the panel had talked to when we got to sort of that crystal ball question, you know, we asked sort of, as 
as we prepare to enter 2022, what are sort of the skill sets that employees, future and current, should be looking to sort of grab a hold to that we think employers will be really sort of looking for as a priority as it relates to hiring? And every single panelist said the ability to work with people, the mm-hmm. ability to build networks. That relationship building, that coalition building is absolutely important. And so we have to continue to keep that in mind. We're not on a we're we're not on an island. We don't do this work or life in a vacuum. And if for no other reason than that, folks should find this work as an imperative, especially as a professional, to grab a hold to and to be sort of sold on, you know, on becoming an equity anchor and asking those important questions as we, you know, shift culture in the direction to which we we want it to be, which is that, you know, everyone is flourishing, everyone is thriving, and and every everyone is sort of experiencing sort of that liberatory justice that I believe our country was was, you know, originally founded on. So thank you for that. And and I agree, I think in addition to that, if someone who's not experiencing um an inequity in their lives on a, on a, on a consistent basis, let's say, or, or in their, in their growing up or whatever it be, we're also benefiting from everyone thriving. Everyone, every, it's truly everyone gets to start to thrive when all of the voices and brain power is thriving. It's just designed for success once we are inclusive. So if just to flip the other perspective if you're having trouble <laughs> with these entry points right there's success for you on the, on the other side as well if you're not really experiencing this firsthand so right. I just want to point that I know that's an uncomfortable thing to think about but it's the it's the reality that like you said we're all starting in different places and yeah yeah um, I, I appreciate that you said that Christina that's a, that's an excellent point and I think that that becomes you know a, a blind spot for for some of our our peers and colleagues and in, in, in having that sort of mindset that something's being taken away right when actually there's added benefit and and why when i speak about sort of this shift towards greater equity that there is an individual but there is an organizational and, and community impact um, right. for good when when we work to dismantle the systems that are disadvantaging some and, and advantaging others um, but that's, you know, that's that that's where that sort of training and that sort of sort of unlearning and then learning takes place. So if we right. find that we have colleagues like that and you identify as an equity anchor or you aspire to be an equity anchor, then you are encouraging them to, to do some of that work and dig deeper into some of that history around those systemic harms and what have you to broaden your cultural lens that will then, I I can't imagine how not, but will then create some curiosity and inquiry around the why that's associated with some of these systemic challenges. Thank you for that. Yes. I think this was wonderfully evaluated and explained and and I I love this conversation. So just thank you for having it with me and Anything else you want to make sure we understand before we close? That's a really good question too. Um, <laughs> you know I, that that these, you know, Dr. Pendaker had shared it that this one conference isn't going to, you know, solve sort of world peace, but that you know, um, continuing to be part of these conversational communities, continuing to foster dialogue, continuing to create spaces for your employees and colleagues and peers to engage in, um, in un, you know, discomfort around th- these topics, I think is of the utmost importance. 
and is an imperative that I hope that our industries begin to adopt in ways in which can be operationalized and go beyond sort of the symbolism of the importance and, and into sort of the, the action-oriented sort of practice around becoming equity-minded organizations. You know, I welcome uh, an ongoing partnership with Economic Workforce so that we can create, you know, additional spaces like this conference and continue to broaden the lens of our, of our, our, our peers, our colleagues, and our community members. Fantastic. On that note, how can we connect with you? Oh, gosh, reach out, please. Uh, my email address is kbolin, first initial, last name, B-O-L-E-N, at pasadena.edu. You can certainly feel free to um, uh, visit our webpage on pasadena.edu. You can find us under IEDJ, our acronym for Division of Institutional Equity, Diversity, and Justice. And I'd be more than happy to continue this conversation. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Bolin. This has been this has been just a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Christina. I appreciate the space and opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.